listening to Eye on the Triangle on WKNC 88.1. Good evening, Raleigh, and welcome to this week's Eye on the Triangle. It's Tuesday, January 21st, and we thank you for tuning in. I'm Nick Savage. And I'm Andrew Eichen. Tonight we bring you an interview with a local author as well as coverage on a product designed by an NC State student. In addition, we bring you Poets Corner again and a unique look at last week's presidential visit. But first, here's Andrew with our national news headlines. Former Virginia Governor Robert McDonnell was indicted along with his wife on federal charges of accepting illegal gifts. McDonnell faces 14 counts of honest services fraud, false statements, and obstruction, and received gifts valued at a minimum of $140,000, including designer clothes, a Rolex watch, golf clubs, iPhones, and a painting. McDonald and his wife Maureen received the gifts from Johnny Williams, the chief executive of the nutritional supplement company Star Scientific, which the McDonald's then promoted. McDonald claims that although he regrets accepting legal gifts from Williams, he did not violate the law. A South Carolina judge is hearing arguments over whether, whether to grant a new trial to a 14-year-old black boy executed for murder in 1944. George Stinney was convicted for murdering two white girls, but most evidence, including Stinney's supposed confession, has been lost over time. Analysts say that it is unlikely Stinney will be granted a new trial, but those seeking Stinney's exoneration say they will apply for a pardon if the trial is not granted. Said Judge Carmen Mullen, no one here can justify a 14-year-old child being charged, tried, and executed in 83 days. And the White House announced that President Obama will visit Pope Francis on a European tour in March. The president said he looks forward to discussing their, quote, shared commitment to fighting poverty and growing inequality. The president will also meet Italian President Giorgio Napolitano and Prime Minister Enrico Letta and will visit the Netherlands for a nuclear security summit and meet with NATO officials in Belgium. That's it for uh, national news. And now let's turn to Sydney for our international news headlines. Thanks for that. Beginning in early December, Ju Hyun Yu, a student in South Korea's Korea University, unintentionally started a social movement that quickly spread throughout the nation, starting by taping a poster listing national issues and then asking, are you doing all right? Within days, similar posters and additional declarations appeared at other universities and on Facebook, ultimately encouraging people to not only speak up about injustices, but also start peaceful rallies to support change. Anxieties rocketed December 22, 2013, when, in a 12-hour televised raid, riot police and SWAT teams stormed the headquarters of the National Confederation of Unions to arrest rail union leaders, using pepper spray and breaking glass doors, ultimately unable to find the railway union leaders. The ensuing strike the Confederation called for on December 28, 2013, supported by by the poster movement, saw thousands crammed in Seoul, South Korea. More general rallies are planned for 2014, and participants in the poster movement met two weekends ago to come together and start coordinating their actions. As Western European countries deal with increased tensions with the Roma people, who often live in rundown areas on the edges of cities, France, whose socialist president Francois Hollande, previously believed to be a supporter of Roma rights, doubled France's numbers of expelled Roma migrants last year, going from 9,404 in 2012 to 19,380 in 2013. Interior Minister Manuel Valls said Roma are different from us and incapable of becoming integrated into French society. 
Approximately 20,000 Roma, mostly immigrants from Bulgaria and Romania, live in temporary, often illegal camps on the edges of French towns. The debate in Europe regarding the Roma people has become more polarized recently, with more Roma being departed and mainly far-right and leftist groups calling for their eviction. Spain has become the first country in the world to draw a plurality of its power from wind energy for an entire year, accounting for 20.9% of the country's energy last year, up 13% more than 2012. This is more than any other enough to power 15.5 million households, with nuclear coming close behind at 20.8%. But 2014 may not be as promising in wind power in Spain as one may think, as the Spanish government will be initiating steep cutbacks. Spain's renewable energy sector is heavily subsidized, which costs billions of dollars for a country still in financial crisis, and an attempt to raise individual rates for renewables was met with hostile complaints, leaving the government to back off and face a $35 billion renewable energy deficit. Despite the European Union and UN's goals to renewable re- to, for renewable energy for the next decade, global investment in renewable energy slipped 12% last year. Since the start of the new year, a wave of H7N9 bird flu cases in China has shown a new strain and the need of constant surveillance. In just the past week, at least 24 flu infections and three deaths have been confirmed by the World Health Organization. The H7N9 strain appeared last month and has so far infected 170 people and killed 50 in China, Taiwan, and Hong Kong. China's health commission said experts confirmed that the virus was still from poultry to humans, but the strain does have limited capability to spread from one person to another. After nearly two months of protests in Kiev, Ukraine, in response to the president backing out of a pact with the European Union to instead strike a deal with Russia, President Viktor Yanukovych's decision to sign anti-protest laws last week has only encouraged more demonstrations, with apprehensions wreaking a peak this past Sunday, January 19th, as hundreds of activists clashed with riot police in Kiev. The radical activists, many wearing hard hats and gas masks, used stun guns, fire extinguishers, flares, and sticks to push their way past police to the Ukrainian parliament building, the attack resulting in numerous injuries. The opposition leader, Vitaly Klitschko, attempted to stop the protesters attacking the, attacking the police, but he himself was then attacked. Up until the laws limiting Ukrainians' right to protest, the rallies have remained largely peaceful. After months of factional killings at the event, and the eventual resignation of the previous president, Michel Joshua, on January 10th, the Central African Republic's transitional parliament elected Catherine Sambapanza as president yesterday, January 20th. Since unrest has begun in March of last year, more than 2,000 people have been killed. A spokesman for the major group of anti-Balaka fighters, a Christian militia opposed to the ex-president Joshua's Salika rebel group, who threatened to protest the elections, announced that the group was happy with Samba Panza's election, as well as applauded the fact that a woman had been elected for the first time. Due to protests that have stirred up violent attacks on Tuesday, January 21st, Thailand declared a state of emergency in Bangkok and its surrounding areas, which grants expanded power to security forces, including orders in search, arresting and detaining people, and limited judicial and parliamentary oversight. Protesters continue to demand the Prime Minister of Thailand, Yingluck Shinawat, to step down, and while Shinawat has called for elections February 2nd, the protesters are insisting they not be held. The opposition Democratic Party, which is closely aligned with the protesters, is also boycotting the election. The state of emergency shadows swelling confrontations between protesters and the government at protest sites where grenades have been thrown and drive-by shootings have occurred, resulting in 28 injuries this past Sunday, January 19th, when two grenades were thrown into protest sites, as well as a single death and dozens of injuries Friday, January 17th, following another grenade attack. 
A total of nine people have been killed since the protest started in November of last year, as well as hundreds of others hurt in the violence. And that's it for international news. Thanks, Sydney. Katie, I heard that we have some winter weather already across portions of the state. How much snow can we expect here in the Triangle this evening? And what's the forecast looking like for the rest of the week? Well, Andrew, we are currently under a winter weather advisory until 9 a.m. tomorrow due to a strong cold front that passed through central North Carolina today. Temperatures have already begun to drop significantly within the past hour. Expect light snowfall, about a dusting mainly across the grassy surface areas, and the potential for black ice across the triangle this evening and in the early morning hours tomorrow. So be sure to use caution while driving on the roads tonight, and especially in the early morning hours tomorrow, since conditions will be icy and black ice can be very hard to spot. Not only are we going to be getting to see a rain-snow mix this evening, but temperatures behind this cold front will cause lows to plummet into the teens tonight with sustained winds of 10 to 15 miles per hour and gusts up to 25 miles per hour, which will make wind chill values drop into the single digits between 4 a.m. and 9 a.m. Wednesday. So be sure to really bundle up on your way out the door tomorrow morning. Good news for all you NC State students who have night classes and those dreaded early morning 8 a.m. classes because all campus activities for the duration of this evening are canceled, as well as all activities, including classes beginning before 10 a.m. tomorrow. Now, taking a look at the rest of the state, in case you are a regular commuter to the Triangle region, we could very well see snow accumulations of up to one to two inches across the northern Piedmont and northern coastal plain regions of North Carolina. In fact, areas across the northeastern Piedmont and northern coastal plain near the Virginia border have the highest probability for the higher snowfall amounts. Throughout the day tomorrow, an Arctic blast of cold air associated with an Arctic high-pressure system will dominate over the region with a high of only 28 degrees despite sunny skies. So significantly cold weather is definitely on its way. Wednesday evening, winds will be calm with temperatures back up into the double digits at around 17 degrees for the overnight low, but will still be well below freezing, so have that winter gear handy before heading out anywhere. Thursday, we will moderate back up to a high of 42 degrees and mostly sunny skies, which will be a nice break from the frigid ice-cold temperatures until nighttime when this pattern begins to shift and strike all over again. Thursday night, an even colder Arctic air mass will plunge into the region, causing temperatures to plummet once again to an overnight low of 11 degrees, which is 21 degrees below freezing. And by Friday, expect only 28 degrees for the high despite the sunny skies and calm winds and 18 degrees for the overnight low Friday evening and mostly clear skies. Now, this weekend, we will see sunny skies and highs in the mid to upper 40s and lows in the mid to upper 20s. So relatively mild and decent weekend compared to the brutal temperatures we will be experiencing this work week. Now, the National Weather Service warns that this prolonged period of bitterly cold weather on Wednesday through Monday will pose a significant threat to residents of central North Carolina, their pets and their property. So here are some winter weather prevention tips I am going to leave you with this evening. One. If you have any outdoor pets, be sure to keep them inside if possible or in a warm, sheltered area. Two, be sure to protect your home if necessary by taking the proper precautions in preventing frozen pipes by making sure they are sufficiently insulated or heated. The necessary materials you would need are located at any kind of home center or hardware stores across the region. And most importantly, really bundle up this week and avoid spending prolonged periods of time outdoors. Stay tuned for any 
further weather updates that may be issued. And please listen to NOAA's weather radio or go to weather.gov for more information about these hazards. And for more information on how to prepare when winter weather strikes, you can visit the North Carolina Department of Public Safety at www.ncdps.gov. And in fact, Governor Pat McCrory and Public Safety Secretary Frank L. Perry announced the launch of a new mobile app today that will help North Carolinians prepare for everything from minor traffic emergencies to severe storms on a daily basis. Now, this app is free and available now in the App Store for iPhones as well as Google Play for Android devices. The name of this app is Ready NC and is an all-in-one tool that both residents and visitors can use to get the latest weather, traffic, and hazard information and know what to do and how to stay safe, said Governor McCrory. None of us can predict when the next disaster will occur, but we can minimize the impacts by preparing ahead of time. So if you can, go ahead, download this app, and check it out tonight. I'm meteorologist Katie Costa. Thanks for listening to your weekly weather forecast here on Eye in the Triangle. Back to you, Nick. Thank you, Katie, for that very comprehensive report. You're welcome. And now, here's Ben with From the Sidelines. From the Sidelines on Eye on the Triangle. Your weekly update on athletic events. The men's basketball team was very busy this past week, playing three ACC games in five days. State dropped the first two games by scores of 70-69 to and 95-60 to against Wake Forest and Duke, respectively. The end of the Wake Forest game was filled with controversy. Most pundits believe the game to be officiated extremely tightly, but on Wake Forest's game-winning layup, the ref seemed to miss the player taking three full steps without dribbling, which should have resulted in a travel and a state win. However, State bounced back from these losses to get a comeback win against Maryland on Monday night, even without star player T.J. Warren. Rouson Turner stepped up to shoulder the offensive burden with 23 points and 7 rebounds as well as 5 three-pointers. The Wolfpack are now 12-7 and on the year and will try to improve on that record this Sunday at home against Georgia Tech. The women's basketball team played two games last week against teams from Florida, beating 17th-ranked FSU 80-57 to at home and then losing to Miami 80-71 to on the road. Senior Markeisha Gatling led the team against Florida State with 20 points on 8-for-8 shooting night. Markeisha then had 25 points against Miami, but it wasn't enough to overcome a very aggressive Hurricanes team. They are now ranked 23rd in the nation and have a 16-3 record. Their next game will be this Thursday against Boston College. The women's gymnastics team competed twice this week, coming in second place in a four-team meet here in Raleigh and then losing to Kent State in a Beauty and the Beast dual meet against Kent State. Brittany Watkins was named as the East Atlantic Gymnast League Gymnast of the Week, and their next meet will be this Friday at home against Texas Women's University. The wrestling team also competed in the Beauty and the Beast event at Kent State this past weekend. They lost a hard-fought meet to the 25th-ranked Golden Flashes by a score of 23-14. to Nick Gwiazdowski improved to 12-0 in dual meets this season at the 285-pound weight class and is now ranked 5th in the nation. The team now has a 10-3 record and will next compete this Friday against Campbell as a part of another Beauty and the Beast event in conjunction with the gymnastics team. The men's tennis team started their dual season this past weekend against UNCG in North Carolina Central. The 35th-ranked Wolfpack did not drop a match to either team, being both by a score of 7-0. to Simon Norenius and Parker McGinnis both competed in the National Collegiate Tennis Classic in California this weekend. 
In singles, Marinius advanced to the semifinals, while McGinnis advanced to the quarterfinals, while the pair advanced to the quarterfinals of the doubles competition. The men's tennis team will next be in action this Saturday against VCU. If you would like more in-depth sports analysis, please tune in tomorrow at 7 for Pulse of the Pack right here on WKNC. Thanks, Ben. A former student here at NC State is at work on a pretty unique product. Here's Nick with the story. For coffee or tea drinkers, the taste of a fresh cup is unlike any other. Oftentimes, though, you may burn yourself if you're too eager to sip your nearly boiling drink. As a student of engineering here at NC State, Logan Maxwell knew the feeling all too well. With four years in chemical engineering and a class in engineering entrepreneurship, Logan wasn't one to let the problem go. He applied his knowledge and developed the idea now known as the Temperfect Mug. My friend Ben worked at a facility where he would have to pour his coffee and drink it really fast before he went through a clean room. And it got, you know, really annoyed him. He, he, he wanted to cool his coffee down fast. And so he's like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to make a outside layer and pour water in it so the water will cool down the coffee. So I was thinking about it. And I was like, yeah, man, I, I had that same problem. I drink tea a lot. Ironically, not too much of a coffee drinker. And I was like, yeah, yeah, you're right. You know, it doesn't cool fast enough. And then it's always lukewarm when you pick it up, you know, an hour later, 30 minutes later, you know. So we get brainstorming about this problem. Uh, essentially what we come to is, well, we need to put a heat storage material in there. So you can think about it as kind of like just like a waxy substance. And so we just, we bang out really simple prototypes, cannibalizing existing travel mugs and just putting inserts in with just like your basic candle wax and stuff. But uh, it worked really, really well. So we went from there. The idea has come a long way since the initial dabbling with candle wax, and the science behind the mug promises a perfect sipping temperature for a longer amount of time. You pour your hot coffee, and inside, embedded between the stainless steel and the vacuum-insulated layer, is our special Temperfect insulation. Now, what it does is it absorbs the heat initially. It absorbs the excess heat. So it starts as a solid, it absorbs the excess heat, turns into a liquid, right? Now, it's not leaking into your coffee or tea. Obviously, it's still in the wall, but it's turning from a solid into a liquid. It's accepting energy. So it brings it down to a perfect sipping temperature right away. Don't have to wait for it to cool down. Don't have to burn yourself. And then as that liquid starts to re-solidify, it re-releases the energy it absorbed initially back into the coffee to keep it hot for longer. And since the material is only undergoing a phase change, the process is infinitely reversible. You can think about kind of how many times can you take an ice tray out of the freezer and put it back in, you know. So it's, it's just a phase change from liquid to solid, so it can, can do it indefinitely. No batteries, no cords, infinitely <laughs> reusable. The idea first gained traction during Logan's engineering entrepreneurship class, the very same program that gave start to another product highlighted right here on Eye on the Triangle just a few months ago, the jar with a twist. The class clearly offers a unique experience for its participants. It's a great opportunity to kind of break away from that rigid engineering structure. I know I was kind of more of a creative type doing engineering, and it really was a nice outlet to be able to have some creative freedom and kind of do something different. And while the idea was started and championed as part of a team in the class, Logan was the one who wanted to take it further. As luck would have it, he would end up teaming up with another local engineer after graduation. We graduate, the team splits up, they're like, hey, if you want to continue it, continue it, but we're going our separate ways. So now it's just me. 
uh, get into grad school. I've got a summer. I got a few months to see where this thing goes, right? Well, I get pointed in Dean's direction by a local entrepreneur named Ali Khalifa. So he goes, hey, saw you know your senior design presentation. That's a really great idea. Well, I've got to tell you, there's a guy in North Raleigh doing this exact same thing. So you need to go meet him. I was like, oh, okay, wow. So there's this guy 20 miles away doing the same thing at the same time, the same idea and the same technology. So I meet with him, and, of course, he's years ahead of me in terms of prototyping. But, you know, since I had the idea, I was enthusiastic. He was like, well, you know, join my team. Let's get going. And that's how Logan and Dean came to form Jovio. They recently held a Kickstarter, a sort of fundraising event hosted online with a specific target amount to be raised. People who find an idea or product interesting pledge money towards the cause, usually in return for promotional items or the particular product. For Logan and Dean, the idea was to raise enough money to begin production of their mugs and deliver some of their first models to their Kickstarter investors. So our initial goal was 23500 Essentially what this was for was to pay for machine tooling so we could get these mugs made. And we ended up making uh, $269,271. So really uh, over a 1,000% funded, which is awesome. With such demand for their product, Logan and Dean have come up with a few different types of the mug, differing only in aesthetics. It's all the same base model, where it's kind of a, a triple-walled, dual-insulated travel tumbler. We've got three different grip colors, orange, blue, and pink. And we have three coating options. And that is, once we get the mug from the manufacturer, now we have it in the States, we send it to a coating specialist. We have a black oxide coating, so it's kind of like a nice black finish to it. And then a titania finish, which kind of changes color in the light and will uh, patina over time with use with your hands. And also a custom engraving option where you can get just a nice piece of artwork on it by uh, an artist up in Wake Forest. You can do these nice kind of custom patterns on the black oxide. It looks really nice, yeah. But that's a very high-priced option, obviously. But we have had orders. You know, we've had people order them. With all the orders placed through the Kickstarter campaign, Jovio is hard at work trying to get them filled. Right now, we're in the middle of a logistics nightmare, a hectic phase one, where we're trying to get the mugs out to our Kickstarter backers as fast as we can. We've got 4,903 backers. Um, A lot of those people ordered multiple mugs, so we have estimated probably over 6,500 mugs to get out worldwide. We've got orders from everywhere from Australia, Malaysia, Guam, so that's what we're working on right now. But we need the manufacturing to get shored up, and we need the shipping to get shored up, so we need to be able to get all these mugs out to people. We're hoping to start shipping in June. That's essentially when we hope to be shipping, maybe July, but hopefully June. Listeners who want to help Logan and Dean can place a pre-order for a Temperfect mug at jovio.com. That's J-O-E-V-E-O dot com. For updates on the product, visit them on Facebook at facebook.com slash jovio, on Twitter at J-O-E-V-E-O, and on Google Plus at google.com slash plus jovio. For Eye on the Triangle, I'm Nick Savage. Thanks, Nick. Authors today carry on a legacy that has been a part of our society for thousands of years. Here in the Triangle, several authors are hard at work bringing the world new stories. In the second of our new series, Michaela speaks to a local author about her recent and upcoming works. All right, so what is the name of your book? Revelations of Cain is the first installment of the Morte series. Uh, The second is Babette's Epiphany. Uh, Both of them have come out 
They came out in 2013, and my intention is to have all three in the series completed by April of this year. So that's three books within one year. Um, I'm going to leave the vampire genre after that because, I don't know, personally I feel like people are sick of it. But I wanted to tell my story because everybody's got a story in their head. I watched all the movies. I've read all the books. Anne Rice is like my goddess, you know. So um, when I went to go tell my own story, I just got it all out. It only started as one book and spawned an entire series. Uh, My friend Shannon published hers independently and suggested I do the same thing. And so she kind of created a monster, (laughs) (laughs) so to speak. Uh, From there, I want to go on a little something grittier. Fifty Shades was really big, um, but I feel like it was real mild compared to some things out there. And so I may step into that genre, um, Mm -hmm. but I'm not sure. I really really don't know. I just want to get this series finished (laughs) because I want it out and done and, you know, kind of complete. So it's looking to be a trilogy. Yes. Yes. Yeah, and it'll be a trilogy. When did you say the, the last book is said to come out and be published? April of this year. I'm working on it now. It's handwritten. I just have to type it, edit it, print it, red mark it, and then send it through the ringer. And hopefully it'll be, it'll come out good. So what inspired you to start writing, I guess? I've always written. I wrote poetry in high school. And uh, stories didn't really come to me until I became like a really big movie buff. And... The way I write is sort of the way I see it as a movie. So in in my head, it's a movie, and when I write it, it's very descriptive, and I may talk your head off a little bit, but you you get what what I see in my head in my words. Was there anything specific that, aside from, you know, your story, what you've been through, that, that inspired this, like, Scottish and then vampire New Orleans type thing? Love New Orleans, one of my favorite places. Um, so... I always wanted to write a story about New Orleans. Of course, New Orleans is like our supposed vampire capital. Um, people who think they're vampires live in New Orleans. <laughs> but um, aside from that, um, I also do pottery and sculpting, and I was an artist for a long time, and I wanted to convey that in my story. My female character is an artist. Uh, she's a painter, though, not a sculptor. Um, and... Without giving away too much of the story, it's, you know, he's drawn to her for some reason, and that gets conveyed towards the end of the end of the novel. And then once once that's done and you go on to the second, uh, she's sort of left without him. They're left without each other, and they try and come back together, which ends up being kind of crazy in the end of that one, too. Okay. What about the, the Scottish portion of it, like... Why is he immortal? Like, well, I don't want you to, like, give away anything yeah. from the story, but, like, why... Why that? Why why that route? By the why Scottish route? route? Yeah. And well, I'm Scotch-Irish. Um, okay. My great-grandmother on my dad's side is Irish. Um, Fussell is conveyed as Scotch-Irish, English. Uh, actually, in England, it's huge. My grandfather was there for World War II. He said there was Fussell everything, beer, roads, businesses, that kind of thing. So, um, And I married a Scotsman. Uh, my husband's last name is Fern, and so... Um, when I was writing Kane, I just threw all the men in my life into one character and just kind of took my, my married ethnicity <laughs> and put him into that. And, and I like, you know, everybody likes an accent. We unfortunately don't have accents. So, you know, when, when you read Kane, you can kind of read some of his brogue coming out too. And so I hope that's conveyed to the readers. 
So what is this about the Mars Social Author of the Year competition? Okay, Mars Social, I got uh, involved with them. I was promoting my books on Facebook and Twitter and that kind of thing, and someone had said, you know, come over here. It's for more, It's for um, media, authors, bloggers, that kind of thing. And so I went over to their site and was promoting my book, and I guess someone had read a snippet and said, hey, would you write some articles for us? And so I wrote a couple of, I wrote an entertainment article. I wrote an article about pottery and sculpting, how it can be therapeutic um, and and the steps and how to and what you do to get a fabulous pot, I guess. Um, (laughs) uh, From there, they had an author of the week competition, which I entered and won. And then I transferred that uh, excerpt of the book from the weekly competition to the yearly competition. And there was about 312 uh, excerpts, and it's dwindled down to now 52 um, with two or three wild cards and um, was selected as one and was totally over the moon about it just because, you know, like I said, the vampire genre is kind of, I don't know, somewhat played out. So is Mars, you said... It's yearly, so is it national? I mean, it's international, actually. It's worldwide. We've got authors from Wales, United Kingdom, Scotland, Ireland. Uh, they're one of our authors. She's uh, she's in her 80s, and she's in Wales, and she, um, she's been doing really well. And part of the competition um, terms were to send out the press releases and that kind of thing. We had to kind of do our own publications because as indie authors, it's really just all us. Um, And so when I sent my press releases out, I sent them everywhere. But I was totally jazzed to come here because my whole entire family went to NC State. I've got four cousins here now. And so, yeah, we're we're a Wolfpack family. (laughs) So when... When I heard from you, I was like, oh, my gosh, this is awesome. This is perfect. That's, that's the outlet I want to go to because, I mean, Fox News, whatever, whatever. But this is indie, you know? Mm-hmm. And, I'm, I mean, being an indie author, you want to be in an indie radio station and, and do indie things because, I don't know, it's much cooler to be indie, I think. <laughs> and that's very really understandable. I mean, we're pretty awesome over here. Yeah. What other type of competition are you looking at? Like, what in this competition? Oh, other genres? Yeah. Um, there's <laughs> there's one guy, Ed, he writes about his puggle, Leonard Skinnerd, And it's like kids and, and um, animal lovers really like his stuff. And it's just, you know, how funny a dog can be. And then there's one lady, um, she writes about werewolves. It's just, just it's a very vast collection of genres in the competition. It's really cool. All the excerpts are just real in-depth your characters are really cool i don't know i've only read a few because as an indie author you you do your own promotions and so i don't have a a lot of time to read but um you know i try to do as much promotions as possible and write my own books right so you said that you were looking to get rid of like kind of stop this trilogy that you have going on and pick up other stuff aside from just writing do you have anything specifically in mind set in the works anything like that I've got a couple of stories handwritten. Uh, one is is more on the Fifty Shades side, and I don't, like I said, I don't know if I want to go that route because kind of that's what everyone's doing now. It's like people find out what's being sold and they instantly jump on what to write. And maybe that's what I did with vampires, but honestly, with the vampires, like I've always loved vampires and I've always wanted to write my own story. 
And granted, after Twilight, you know, I'm sure everybody was like, we're sick of this. <laughs> but I still wanted to get it out. And if if it's taken well, it's taken well. If it's not, then, you know, um, you go on to different genres. And, and the more books you write, the more your name gets out there. And, right. you know, if someone likes your, your other, the other book that you write from a different genre, they'll go back and check out the, the originale, so to speak, like. Say somebody reads my fourth book and they're like, oh, I want to check out her first three books, even though they may not be vampire fans. Is there anything else that you want to add? So this competition is huge. Like Twitter, <laughs> we've been really altruistically tweeting each other on Twitter. A lot of us have been suspended. We've had our accounts canceled. Um, and we've gone through quite a bit of issues with Twitter. But we're holding our own and you know, our feeds are just... You, that's all you see is like you know the excerpts and finalists and yeah, we just we want we want the world to read our words basically and even though we're not signed to some huge publishing company we still have something worth reading awesome thanks for coming in today for eye on the triangle i'm michaela o'connor thanks michaela for that discussion with local author augusta fern we've got a new installment of poets corner for you tonight here's selma Everyone has a story to tell, but how they tell it differs. Whether you're a poet, spoken word artist, singer, an actor, a musician, everyone has that story to tell. And here is the place to tell it. Welcome to Selma's Poetry Corner. Hi, this is Selma Abdulhai back at Selma's Poetry Corner again. Uh, I would like to say happy MLK Day to everyone who celebrates, which should be everybody. Uh, today, I have a good friend, an amazing poet with me. She's an international studies major, junior at NC State University. Her name is Safia Lux. Hey, guys. All right. Safia has a poem for us tonight, and it is called 14-7. 14 7. 14, 7. Be grateful for the mind be grateful for the body when the dormants are gone and they will go. Even if just to be replaced or polished, be grateful for the sun, be grateful for the moon. When the pillars are gone and you are left loveless and orphaned to create your own family, be a gift to the species, be the heart of the tribe. Remember the heavens and all that they taught you. Remember you will return there, purified through the fires you couldn't resist. Remember that some call nature a mother. She always leaves fruit within your grasp, and even when you forget her, she is there. Words gentle as leaves kissing your feet, demanding evolution. She is every kind of living thing. She is where you got that tempest mind, that monsoon heart, that lush mouth. Know that your brilliance is borrowed. Your resonance is merely her echo. Take pride in that. She is the kind of gorgeous power that makes surviving art. She tells you, see, you can be a thriving thing. Remember that some call God a father. There is sea salt in his lessons, but honey at his table. Even when you turn away, the whole town calls you daddy's little girl. Honey became your skin. They speak century, centuries long about how they see him in the galaxies, your eyes. It is undeniable that he gave you that austere beauty. He is a wise and genius beyond language. Even though you were closest to him as an infant, back when you were unafraid to laugh and unashamed to cry, you are still his child. That closed mouth teaches you the unselfishness of listening. His pointers move your heart, retrains them in the skills thoughtless living made you forget. 
Even in your ignorance, his lessons made a temple out of you, the womb of your mother, and anywhere you'll ever stand. Soundless, he tells you, prepare your apologies, open your palms, prodigal daughter. You can always ask for another tomorrow. Nothing good I can refuse you. Remember to enjoy the transient taste of sadness, to use hunger to fuel your heart, to learn the politics of discomfort. Tattoo, abundance is a fact. Winter is only a season. Unto the inside of your eyelids for the next time you forget. Nothing is yours that you stand to lose. Very, very beautiful. Thank you. Uh, Thank you for joining us on Selma's Poetry Corner. And until next week. Thank you very much for coming in. Yeah, thank you. Thanks. Thanks, Selma. Last week, Obama made a trip to NC State for a special speech. Here's Nick with our coverage. As you probably know, President Barack Obama made a visit to NC State's campus last Wednesday. There were only a few student tickets up for grabs, so fellow Eye on the Triangle contributor Andrew Eichen and I applied for media credentials for the event on Monday and were excited to hear that we'd been granted them on Tuesday afternoon. We grabbed our recording equipment, donned our best reporter-like clothing, and were off Wednesday morning to cover the speech. President Obama's last visit to campus took place in Reynolds Coliseum, a large venue that is home to the NC State women's basketball team. It is good to be back at NC State. His speech was very reminiscent of campaign-style talks as he promoted the American Jobs Act and touted regional lingo like the Triangle, the Beltline, and even gave a nod to the university marching band using their nickname, the Power Sound of the South structurally deficient bridges that need to be repaired. Four of them are near here, on or around the Beltline. And I want to thank the power sound of the South for the outstanding performance. This time, the event was to take place in the J.W. Eisenhower Tennis Center, a much smaller and lesser-known building, leaving many students questioning the choice. Whatever the motivation, that's where Andrew and I found ourselves heading on Wednesday to meet the 11.30 media check-in deadline. Press passes in hand, we made our way towards the building and passed through a Secret Service security checkpoint that was very similar to TSA screening at the airport. Once inside, we found ourselves surrounded by laptops, cell phones, and cameras all getting prepped to document the event. We set ourselves up and began waiting for 1.05, the scheduled time for the president's speech. With members of the university basketball pep band helping to get the crowd pumped, the tiny tennis center was easily filled with noise. Students and dignitaries were slowly streaming into the building and taking their seats. Following the band's final tune, bluegrass music was piped through the speakers. Andrew and I quickly set to work, tweeting from at WKNC underscore EOT to keep up with the big-wig news outlets surrounding us. Dr. Paul Garcia, Director of Bands at North Carolina State University. <laughs> and so uh, this is obviously a really, really secure event. Um, how did you guys kind of work to get to do to prepare for it, and then what kind of security were you guys put through? Um, it's actually a little bit of a whirlwind, the way it works. Um, I got a call Monday afternoon asking if we could get a group together. Fortunately, I was meeting with the Bed Band students that afternoon, so uh, I was able to talk to the group and find out who could miss class or who was available. Um, that was a big part of it. Um, once we had the 15 students that were available, then contacted back, told 
uh, whoever we needed to our contact through NC State, they conveyed the message of the White House. They had to vet me, so I had to give them some personal information. So I was vetted by the White House. Then um, we had to bring our equipment in last night. So once they cleared the building for lockdown, our equipment had to be in. Otherwise, nothing was coming in. So we walked in with nothing in hand. Um, and our equipment was checked twice, once last night, once again this morning before they reopened the building. When they reopened the building, they had to have us come through the gates at 10 a.m., so a little earlier than everybody else. So once we were in the building, they had us contained, so to speak, and then it was more of a, like a hurry up and wait. Get here, and then we waited for a while until they finally were able to take us back to our equipment and let us start preparing to play. Nice. Especially with it being such a short notice, it's impressive. Yeah, well, I I mean, you've, you've worked with us before. You know how the students are. It's one of those things where we're very fortunate at NC State in that we have very intelligent students who are very capable. So it's easy enough when I can empower people to do things and know that it's going to get done. It makes my life a lot easier. Well, thanks for speaking with us. Good to see you. As the time got closer to 105, the ending of each song drew bated breath from the crowd, and a groan of disappointment could be heard as the next song began. Excited students even began a Wolfpack cheer amongst the crowd. And finally, it was time. Chancellor Randy Woodson took the stage and welcomed the president to NC State. President Obama went on to announce a new manufacturing innovation institute in North Carolina aimed at producing newer and more efficient semiconductors. The hub will operate through the cooperation of 18 businesses and six universities, which will be led by NC State. Two similar hubs will be announced in the next few weeks. For Eye on the Triangle, I'm Nick Savage. Thanks, Nick. And now, here are the campus happenings for the next week. Talk to me, so you can see. Oh, what's going on? 
Here's what's going on at NC State. Tomorrow afternoon is the grand opening of the Climate Science Center here at NC State. The center represents an exciting partnership between university and federal research collaborations to improve resource management by using the best available climate science. The event will take place at 4 p.m. at the David Clark Labs on North Campus. Thursday evening at 6, the African American Cultural Center presents the gallery opening of Theater of Belief. Phyllis Galembo's work enables her viewers to appreciate the African religious traditions that migrated to and found new life through the Black Atlantic. Her work will be shown jointly at the NC State African American Cultural Center Gallery and at Meredith College in a linked exhibit organized by the Gregg Museum of Art. Friday at 8 p.m., NCSU Center Stage presents Lucky Plush Productions with Cinderbox 2.0. Inspired by the widespread popularity of reality TV programming, Cinderbox 2.0 is a 75-minute dance theater piece that takes a look at the comedy and anxiety created by our hyper-networked culture. The show can be seen this Friday and Saturday at 8 p.m. in the Jones Auditorium at Meredith College. This weekend at the Campus Cinema, the movies Ender's Game and Bad Grandpa will be showing. Check uab.ncsu.edu slash films-schedule for times. For more information on these events and more, go to ncsu.edu slash calendar. For Eye on the Triangle, I'm Nick Savage. And as always, if you heard anything you liked, you hated, or anything that made you think, let us know on our Facebook page. You can also follow us on Twitter at WKNC underscore EOT for more local news. Also, be sure to check out our blog at blog.wknc.org, where you can also download our podcast. Well, that's all we have for now. Be sure to tune in next week. For Eye on the Triangle, I'm Andrew Eichen. And I'm Nick Savage. Good night.